0: Welcome to the Janine Bolin Show, where we share tips from around the globe as we guide practical people with their finances using money tips, increase their incomes through side businesses, and maintain their sanity by staying in their creative zone. Hello, Janine Bolin here, and thank you so much for joining us today. I am writing. Hi, I am in a fabulous mood today because I just got back from Las Vegas where I got to watch my two dear friends Laven, Ditchburn, and Anna Modovia, uh, both of them got married while we were in Las Vegas. And it was one of those trips where one morning I woke up, it was a Saturday morning, I woke up and... I had this thought of you need to text Anna and Anna and I hadn't been in touch for weeks and weeks. And I thought, huh, I wonder what's going on. So I texted her. She's like, Oh my gosh, Janine, we're in Vegas. Lebanon and I are getting married. And I was like, What? Oh my gosh. You know, it's been two years that they were together. Uh, COVID happened. She was in Russia. He was in Australia. And it's been a two year odyssey of these two moving all around the country, Germany, Mexico. And they finally made it to the United States and Las Vegas so they could get married. (laughs) And I know you probably have heard so many COVID stories like that, but I just wanted to share with you that they got married so I wanted to say and give a shout out to Mr. and Mrs. Ditchburn. Thank you for allowing me to be your matron of honor, your best man, and your Sherpa because I also got to hold the bags during the photo shoot and that's what I went for. You know, I went to be able to let them celebrate their day after two years of trying to make it happen in all kinds of manner of chaos. So congratulations to you Mr. and Mrs. Ditchburn and I wanted to let you know that The Janine Boland Show was syndicated. We used to be four podcast programs. We combined them in October of 2021. My team and I merged them into one program for you. Up to that point, we had been running four separate podcasts: the Three-Minute Money Tip, the Thriving Solopreneur, the Writers Hour Creative Conversations, and the Practical Mystic Show. Today, I am highlighting one of our 99 authors who have signed up to assist me at helping you. Through the course of this year, they will give you guidance and perspective on how to get your message, your story, or your memoir out into the world. So even if you aren't an author that wants to write a book, and maybe you're just somebody who has something that you want to share with others, please stay tuned. These people can help you. Uh, Many of you have been told you should write a book about your life experience. Well, these 99 authors that I'm interviewing over the course of this next year were prompted to write their stories as well, and each one's going to tell you what got them going writing, but they're also going to share, in in my perspective, what selling books meant for them, what worked, what didn't work, and the things that they had wished they had known before they became published authors. So there's a lot you can learn from today. And today, I will be interviewing none other than Professor Dr. Renee Kessler. Welcome to the show, Renee.
1: Oh, thank you so much, Janine. I appreciate it. And I wanted to say, didn't you ask your friends whether they needed a, a maid of
0: honor Right. Oh, yeah. I totally forgot about that. Yes. I, uh, I, <laughs> I texted them. And, uh, I, as I was trying to arrange things, they're like, yeah, we'd love to have you here. You want to come? They were in shock they were in shock that somebody would drop everything. I'm like, are you kidding? I've been watching your odyssey for the last two years. But back to you, doctor, uh, professor. I, I love calling her professor because she and I both were professors in college. And I'm going to get, read out a bit of her bio because I know she likes to just jump right on in. But she not only was a professor, but she turned into an entrepreneur. And now she's an Authorpreneur, because she has multiple books. She took the favorite parts of being a professor and she created not only a coaching, but also a speaking practice. And frequently she uses her 40 years of outdoor adventure, climbing mountains. Speaking and writing about leadership, team development, and personal development, she coaches clients as they move into the next lifestyle or their next business. And what I love is she values the essence of desire. Uh, desire gets a bad word. I mean, some people consider it a bad word, it gets a bad rap. And the thing is, is what Dr. Renee has found out is that if people identify their desires and then they start moving toward them, their life becomes full and vibrant there's an aliveness to them that they didn't have. So basically she keeps people from saying, I shoulda, I coulda, I woulda. And she helps them navigate toward their goals and their summits and their desires. So thank you so much for all that you do there. Love it, professor.
1: Mm, Thank you, Janine, for having me.
0: So you're not only this fabulous entrepreneur that's written a couple of books. Uh, If you don't mind, tell us a little bit about your first book and then Tell us a little bit about that second book, because it's so much fun. You call it Unflappable. So if you don't mind, share with us a little bit about what drove you to write those books.
1: Well, thank you. Uh, my first book is called Itty Bitty. It's a, you're amazing itty bitty. It's a very itty bitty book, but it's titled Achieving Your Potential, 15 Empowering Steps to Reach Each Summit. And my background is I've climbed mountains for over 40 years, so The books that I write, oftentimes I use my mountain climbing experiences and reaching summits as a metaphor to people's goals and aspirations and and desires and things that they want to shoot for. And uh, it has done remarkable things in my own life. And um, I simply wanted to share that in my writing related to helping people to achieve their own potential by reaching each summit, there's one summit that you get to, you can only get to one summit, but you got to come back down that summit in order to go to the next summit. So uh, that's, that was a, a really fun book to write and a step-by-step about how to get to reaching your summit, everything from planning and preparation, determining what your summit is, why you've chosen that as your summit or your goal or your aspiration, And then also what is it that you want to do um, in the future and how do you get closer to reaching that summit?
0: And that's one of the things I really enjoy about what you do is you, you don't like say there's only one thing, right? You have multiple reasons why you're going to be climbing different peaks and It makes a big uh, sense to us out here in Colorado, you know, because you have the whole trail of the 14ers that you can run. But, you know, and then one of the things I love that what you talk about is, but people look, don't often look for the 11,000 or the 13ers or sometimes there is just an aggressive uh, hike. Even though it doesn't have the claim to fame of it's a 14er. And so I really enjoyed those conversations. So, well, mm-hmm. if you don't mind, talk to us a little bit about every author goes through this. When you get ready to publish your book, you have a choice. You have a crossroads, if you will. Do you publish under your real name or do you publish under a dith- different name? So tell us what you went through and why you made the decision you did.
1: Well, it's interesting. It's an interesting question. And I never, ever considered it an option other than using my own name Uh, what I did do is I I was discerning whether to put PhD after my name and many people said yes you should put your PhD after your name because you've earned it you need to be recognized someone who has gone through the process of getting their PhD and recognized for that Um, and Both of my books, I decided not to have the PhD. In my second book, I do talk about uh, in my personal story about navigating through my PhD in the midst of climbing mountains and so forth. But for me, it wasn't necessary because I don't really see, for me, this is for me only, I don't see that it's necessary to have a title or a position because in leadership, particularly, it's not about the title and position, it's about who you are, and what you represent. And so I want to be represented by my name, Renee Kessler. And the PhD is just something that people will discover at some point, if they're diving into my background, they'll find that out. So but not necessary in a book.
0: Well, thank you so much for that, because the reason I asked the question is it seems so obvious to some people, and I'm like, no, there are many authors who struggle for weeks making this decision because once you make it, you're kind of done. Uh, talk to any author who has married and had to say, "Huh, do I, I'm a woman, I have the opportunity to hyphenate my name or take uh, my husband's name or my companion's name, and all of a sudden they're kind of struggling in that moment. What do I do?" <laughs> So it's it's not something that is an easy decision. So I like you guys talking about it because it's one of the very first ones that come to the forefront. So tell us a little bit about what you were a professor in, what you were teaching uh, when you were in the educational or academic space, uh, because uh, it isn't what you would really call a marketing background, is it?
1: Exactly.
0: I knew nothing about
1: being an entrepreneur or remotely about marketing. My background is in outdoor education and environmental education. So I worked at a, at a university um, in Virginia, where I was the director of our outdoor education program. And so I took students out on adventures. I taught academic lecture style classes as well, but, I, but half of my schedule was, a, was taking students out on adventures, domestically and also internationally on adventure trips. And um, many of them were related to leadership development and, and personal development kinds of experiences. So um, I learned as much as the students did in those kinds of experiences, but I had no background in marketing. Although, although I'll back up and say that in order for me to uh, advertise for these trips that I was doing for the university, I had to do some marketing. I did it personally, face to face. I did it, you know, in flyers. I did it through email. So, in some ways, I was sort of an armchair marketer, uh, and didn't know it until now. We're having this conversation,
0: right? It's it's funny. Be they now call authors authorpreneurs because literally, your book becomes a business. And if you have no background in entrepreneurship, thank heavens you had your leadership experience because um, that is kind of being an entrepreneur is you are the leader. You're the you're the top. You're the one making the the choices, the decisions for ill or for gain. <laughs> it's happening. So talk to us a little bit about what surprised you about the book marketing process and publishing a book. I mean, what were some of the things that you were like, wow, uh, on on the Publishing and marketing a book.
1: Well, one is uh, having my first book. I went through a publishing company, and it was it was an okay experience. Um, But after that experience, I knew that I was going to be writing at least another book, and decided to try the other avenue of self publishing. And um, I found that self publishing was less stressful. (laughs) <laughs> um, and maybe because I was in the driver's seat rather than the publishing company being in the driver's seat. And there's pros to be, you know, there's things that you don't have to worry about and consider and all the detail kinds of things of getting your book out and, 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 uh, the, the cover and, and they help you with all that. <clears throat> And that's that's a nice direction to go into. But for a self-publishing, I like the freedom to sort of create my own cover and not have to run it by anybody as a publishing company. And I felt much more independent and free to be able to to put the things and develop the book the way I wanted it to be.
0: Yeah, you, you basically, you learn from your first experience. And by the time you had book number two come out, you're like, you know what? These, there are things I want to do with this book. And you were able to make that happen. So I agree with you. Depending upon what a authorpreneur is wanting to do, where they want to go with your business and how you want to sell your book or what is the purpose of your book, that is also key, uh, will dictate whether or not you go through a publishing firm or, you're, or self-published. And like you said, um, I've heard it from both sides. I've heard the uh, authors that have published over 23, 24 books, and they have half and half. And they're like, you know, I want to do XYZ with this book. So it's going to go through the publishing house. And yeah, they actually split it up that way. So it's, it's, uh, like you said, depends on where you're going, what you're doing, right? What mountain are you climbing today? Uh, so tell us a little bit about what you would change if you started marketing your books today. So go ahead and think about the experiences that you had with both of those books and, you know, what are some things that you would do differently if you were to start today?
1: I think that I would <clears throat> maybe even contact a marketing firm, <laughs> uh, because again, I didn't have a background in marketing and I did it Just. Based on people that I knew, I used social media an awful lot in marketing my book and uh, through emails and doing book launches and those kinds of things. But I think having done it again, uh, and I may follow through with writing a third book, that I would connect with a marketing firm and give them the opportunity to, to expand my marketing venues that I were, that I was uh, unaware of at the time that I did it on my own.
0: Right. Okay. And so if you don't mind sharing with us, what worked best for you? I mean, what did you do that sold the most books for your own personal experience?
1: Mm -hmm. I think the thing in my second book, I think the thing that really kind of surprised me is when I offered, uh, and this is again on social media, and if people were interested in purchasing my book, that I would pay for the shipping and handling uh, up through Christmas. In other words, I'm giving them a Christmas present, and my book happened to be coming out just before Christmas, maybe three weeks before Christmas. And I would say, you know, a large amount of people capitalized on that offer. I was sending books out all the time multiple books out every day 10 10 books out every day um and up until christmas i said this offer is extended till christmas and people capitalized on that i think that was really you know being creative related to christmas or a holiday or something that's a gimmick that gets people to say oh i'm gonna i'm gonna buy this book because of this and i get a discount and it wasn't a great discount, but it was a discount enough for them to move them to, to purchase the book.
0: And when did you start this launch? You mentioned that you ended it at Christmas, but I didn't catch when you started the launch.
1: Um, it was probably December 1st. Oh,
0: so, so you, it was a real fast one. It was like uh, very, definitely 24 days or less. <laughs> so
1: People capitalized on it, you know, because Christmas was ticking, getting closer.
0: Right. That makes sense. Okay. So a hard deadline that everybody could keep in their head.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, what process did you try to sell books with that was an epic failure? I asked this of all my authors just because some of the stories have been hysterical, but other, other ways you guys are teaching us how to save our money too. I
1: think it's uh, for me, when the mindset is about here's my book, buy it. Rather than here 's my book, you can benefit from it, and these are the reasons why and I think when I first started in mean, my very first book, brand new at all this stuff here 's my book, first time author, buy it essentially I mean you know in more words than that, but um, it's it's not including how it's going to benefit the reader. it was about giving the, the audience out there enough information about how it's going to be helpful for them, how it's going to benefit them rather than just the idea of buying the book. So money comes into me.
0: In radio, because I've been in radio since 1987, we used to call it the old radio station, WIIFM, meaning what's in it for me, right? (laughs) If if you can't share with your reader what's in it for them, uh, they are not going to be able to help you out. So, yeah, thank you for playing into that. I haven't been able to use that call sign in a long time. (laughs) Uh, Well, tell us the story that you tell about yourself that gets the uh, kind of the most laughs from your target audience.
1: Well, I don't know if it's the most of laughs, but it certainly is a memorable for audience members. And when I first when I had my first uh, climbing experience when I was in college and that completely changed the trajectory of my life. And it was uh, 1977 and I was in Wyoming with 13 other college students and we were backpacking in the Wind River Mountains in Wyoming. And we had an opportunity to climb this mountain, a little over 12,000 feet. Well, I came from the Midwest, and I had never seen a mountain before, let alone climb one. But I was all in. I thought, you know, I like the adventure. I like the newness. I like the, you know, learning from it. And um, we, And in those days, people weren't going to REI or any outdoor companies to get their clothing. Everybody was going to the local army surplus store. And so we all looked like an army battalion. We all had green wool pants on, <laughs> wool shirts, that long wool, long underwear. That's a bl- cotton blend. That's that beige where a button's down the front and has the flap in the back. And uh, <laughs> when I tell that story about the flap in the back, right? <laughs> people who were in that era get it. Because yes. the old Westerns. And how they—that's how they walked around, and that's what they wore. Well, that's how we dressed, and we hiked in these pretty heavy leather, steel shank mountaineering boots, and that's what we climbed in—climbed this peak of over twelve thousand feet in this heavy wool clothing and these heavy wool or these heavy steel shank boots. My first mountain ever climbed. And I had wakened the next morning after that climb and said to myself, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. And so that epic experience of going up the peak and coming down late at night, we didn't get back to camp till 1130 at night, and it was 16 degrees out, October 1st, 1977. And I always remember that day when October 1st comes around. It's a really important day because I knew, I knew, I knew this. It wasn't so much about climbing the mountain. It's what I gained, what came from climbing that mountain, that I wanted to be able to share that energy and that passion with other people.
0: Those are the stories I love. I love learning how people find their find their purpose, you know, and some people would be like, well, that's not much of a purpose. I've had, uh, when I've shared my purpose with people, they were like, well, that's not much of a purpose. And I'm like, well, it may not be to you, but it sure does keep me busy and engaged. So (laughs) I'm thinking, I'm thinking I'm the person that needs to work with that. We're going to take a little bit of a different tact. And I would love for you to share a little bit about yourself on what's the biggest change that you've seen in yourself since you started marketing your books.
1: So I think what I mentioned before is about advertising for the book is not about self-advertising. It's about what it is that I want to share with the audience and the public about through my stories or the information that I want to share with them. It's going to improve their life in some way. It's going to bring... Uh Ahas to them, something that they can use in their personal life in order for them to grow
0: and reach their own summits. That sounds pretty epic to me. So, the changes that you've seen in yourself is definitely one of those where you're pivoting. You feel like yourself pivoting and shifting into a whole new perspective. That's awesome. And from that perspective, the one that you have now, what are some of the tips that you would give authors that are currently selling their books or currently working toward uh, publishing their own book?
1: Well, and, and to expand a little bit more on the, on the last question is, is, I've not been very good at self-advertising. I, you know, I'd rather sit in a corner and have somebody else talk about what I do. But I realize as an entrepreneur that you have to be able to do that. And the focus is not on you the person who's who's written the book focuses on what is it that the book can do for you do for the public do for the audience and that's been a bit of a shift for me just being just being an entrepreneur so the the book is not about look at me I'm the author I wrote a book the essence is about what it gives to the to the reading audience and then your question Again. Was the
0: yeah? What five tips or what what tips can you give? I I ask each author what tips can you give uh, authors that are currently selling their books. You know, what are some ideas or suggestions that didn't come to you until after you'd been marketing for a while?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, one of the things that I, I learned is to have, and watching other people as well is having an attractive table. Uh, you know, how do you set your table up? You know, do you have a a nice colored tablecloth do <clears throat> you have your book standing up how do you have it arranged you have, you, you have candy or something on the table that draws people to your to your table and that's something that i've witnessed but also have done and recognized that that's been really helpful and then the kind of pen that you use when you're signing books what's comfortable for you and i've seen people use sharpies i've seen people use number 10 um, pens um, <clears throat> that look like the, the pilot pens, the, their number tens. Um, and I've used both. It depends on, I think the audience for me, this last speaking engagement that I had a week ago in Virginia, I used a Sharpie, a very fine, um, point Sharpie, and that seemed to work and, uh, it's darker and it shows up a little bit more. So that's another tip. Um, th- is to think about uh, another tip would be organizations that align with your topic. So for mine, because they're outdoor related and climbing mountains, I have connected with organizations like uh, REI, which is Recreational Equipment Incorporated, which is a clothing company and equipment company that many people know about nationwide. They have speaking engagements and where you can have Uh, books to be sold in the back of the room and then libraries for instance oftentimes they libraries were advertised if you are going to be talking about your book or doing a presentation about your book and I've done that at a couple different libraries in the in the region and that's free to uh, access a room and uh, a great way to to do that as well bookstores and um, coffee shops are really good places to uh, sell your books as well.
0: And so some of you may be thinking, oh yeah, but those are all offline. And that's one of the things I wanted to share with you. Many of the authors that I am speaking to are very proficient at online marketing and sales. But one of the things that's delightful about Dr. Kessler is the fact that she is an outdoor person. So she likes to engage with people. So COVID was a little bit challenging. She, you moved into Zoom like everybody else. But I just wanted to share with you last night when I was on the airplane, people were celebrating because the federal mandate had been lifted on the mask policy. So when I found out this morning I was going to be chatting with Dr. Renee, I was like, this is so perfect. Talk about stars aligning because now we have the option to get back out, some of you faster than others. But whenever you hear this, we just wanted to let you know there are so many ways that you can definitely uh, market your book. So Dr. Renee, if you wouldn't mind sharing with us, what is the thing that you most misunderstood about being an author or becoming an author? What was one of those big blind spots that you're like, oh, wow, didn't see this coming as an author?
1: Well, I think for people out there, they, they, for other people, they think they have to be smart. They have to know how to write. They have to be really perfect in everything that they put in their book. And if you have those kinds of mindsets, you'll never write a book. And I think I started that way, but I've been writing for a long time. Not as a professor, we write a lot anyway, but I have kept journals since I've been in fifth grade and journaling has helped me in writing and getting my thoughts out on paper anyway. So those are things, but um, I think people out there, when they see an author, And they can, you know, are are admired by, you know, someone who has written a book. I, I think that's great. But they also find limitations in themselves thinking they can't do it because they don't have those qualities. They don't know how to write. They don't have a story to tell. Everybody has a story to tell. And I'm not any special person that becomes an author. I'm just the girl down the block who has something that they want to share with the reading audience that I think would be helpful and um, is, is uh, also in some ways cathartic for me in, in sharing the stories that I have about uh, the, the uh, good, the bad and the ugly of leadership that I learned from climbing mountains.
0: Thanks so much for mentioning that, because that is so very true. I was actually told by multiple people that I was a horrible writer, and here I am working on my book number 12, right? And so it's like I was told consistently I was a terrible writer, and thank heavens for my very first editor, who also happened to be uh, my husband at the time. And he worked with me and got my writing up on track, and he actually was one of my biggest uh, Supporters during that period of time. I will always be grateful to Brad for what he was able to do for me during that period of time because I went from my self-identification as being an atrocious writer to, no, I had some skill with the pen and I could do this. So both sides, whether you were somebody who's journaled uh, like Dr. Renee or somebody like myself who was told that you were a horrible writer, that doesn't matter. And so thank you for bringing that up. I, I love that. So if you don't mind, we've finished our 13 questions I ask every author on the 99 Author Project, but I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about your current project because it's so cool.
1: Yeah, thank you. My current project, and it has been a project of mine for, for some time and, and for people recognizing this, that we live in Colorado and I love the outdoors. I love hiking and I love taking people out on hikes. And I thought, well, it would be really good to be able to do some masterminding, what I've now titled Mastermind on the Mountain, where I take small groups of people, six to eight people who are leaders and entrepreneurs, out on the trail for four hours on a Friday morning, once a month, where we talk about things that matter to their business and sometimes their personal life. And um, we mastermind up and down the trail by doing activities. We do great engaged discussions about a topic that I choose. And um, it's become really rewarding for them as well as me because I see the light bulbs go off and I call it a holistic approach to masterminding. They're outside getting that spiritual connection. They're exercising that helps their overall physical well-being and they're intellectually engaged with other people who are interested in growing their business or growing themselves so it's a great project and i love doing it and um and yeah if anybody's from colorado out there and want to join in i'd love to have you
0: and it's one of those things where they make the states bigger out here on the western side of the united states and so when i first found out about this i was like oh Dr. Kessler, I'm so in, sign me up. And then I found out it was almost a six hour drive to where I was gonna have to go. And I was like, oh, that's so, so we're working it out and it's gonna happen this year. Don't ask us when, but definitely follow up with me and go, Janine, have you talked to Renee? And have you been on her mountain yet? Because the answer is I need to make that happen. So thank you so much. I appreciate your time today. Thank you so much for being a spotlighted author for us, Dr. Renee.
1: Oh, thank you so much, Janine, for having me. And thanks everyone for listening.
0: We hope it was helpful to you. And this is Janine Boland signing off with you today and all of us here at the Eight Gates, which is the company that produces the Janine Boland Show. We wish you a wonderful week and we encourage you to get your message, your story and your knowledge out into the world. Make it a better place, just like these authors are doing for the newer authors that are coming along behind them. We'll see you again next week. And until then, you keep sharing what you know with others. You keep shining that light that is you. And don't forget to go out today and do something fun for yourself. Thank you for listening to The Janine Boland Show. Be sure to subscribe to our show notes by going to the thejaninebolandshow.com where you'll find additional resources as well as the opportunity to sign up to receive our program in your email each week. Be sure to visit our sponsor at the 8